grave danger. Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union, that Lenin put into America, are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. U.S. President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. Uh, uh, They're coming down on America like Pac-Man, eating us up alive. Uh, uh, They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed. You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that... Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. It's good to have you here speaking out, America. JR, your host. I wrote an article today... I hope you'll go to my website and read it. It's under the articles page. It's actually on the homepage too as well, but it's there, speaking out America. Uh, I don't have my glasses, so I can't see. <laughs> so uh, I'll, just have to, I'll just have to wing this one. Um, Trump. You know, it was Friday, the news broke that the Biden crime family uh, had finally, they finally found the breadcrumbs and where they led. A $3 million check that uh, passed through the system. It's kind of hard to deposit a $3 million check and not have it noticed, but it went through, a, I guess, a business confidant of, of Hunter, and then the money was then distributed among six members of the Biden family. And that should have been the straw that broke the camel's back. That should have been the screaming headline. That should have been pretty much what everybody is talking about all weekend. But for some inexplicable reason, and I'm not sure why, maybe it's just, I don't know, ego, but Trump decided to announce to the world that he believes he's getting arrested on Tuesday. And uh, even his own people had to back it out. They had to back up because, well, apparently there's somebody sitting before the Supreme Court today. We'll hear about it later. And, uh, and then the grand jury, and I've been on a grand jury before. I don't know if you've ever been on a grand jury. They, they tell you not to talk about it. And they tell you not to disclose anything about the case. And, uh, you know, you, you take it seriously. Anyway, so they're going to sit, but they're going to present one more witness before the grand jury based on whatever try, whatever they're trying to get out of him, whatever they want to charge him with, some law that he broke. And it has apparently to do with Michael Cohen his former lawyer who uh, allegedly paid off money to Stormy Daniels for a tryst that I, I seem to remember that she was about to write a book or something that she was going to go, go public with something. And this is long before we all knew who Stormy was anyway. Uh, so everybody's talking about that and nobody's talking about the other story, the bigger story. The story that involves our sitting U.S. president being on the payroll of the CCP. Well, that sure would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Yeah. And it, it was frustrating for me because that should have been the conversation. That should have been the subject of the talking head shows. But instead, it became all about Trump and about these spurious charges that supposedly the New York DA is going to be levying against him. And it's going to be a big sideshow and a perp walk and everybody's going to watch and click, click, click. And the pictures are going to be there. And we're all supposed to just be like cats and watch the following laser pointer. 
you know, follow the follow the dot. And uh, anyway, here's what Maria Bartiromo, she had Jonathan Turley on her show on Sunday. Here's what they said. Your reaction to this. Uh, thank you, Maria. I, I think that what most people can objectively say about this uh, potential indictment is that it's based on very little law and a lot of politics. You know, there's that old joke of a doctor telling his patient, you're not paranoid because people really are out to get you. Uh, you know, the same can be true in the sense of Donald Trump's complaints about the politicalization or weaponization of the criminal justice system. This is a political prosecution, in my view. And you don't have to really venture very far to reach that conclusion. If you look at how this case uh, came about, uh, it's rather obviously political. You know, the predecessor of Brad did not, Bragg did not pursue this case. Uh, the Department of Justice did not pursue the underlying federal election violation. The chairman of the FEC, election experts have all said that this is an exceptionally weak theory. And yet Bragg, who threw a flag on this case, um, decided to go forward after his prosecutors resigned. And one of them wrote what I thought was a very unprofessional book, uh, detailing the case against an individual who hasn't been charged, let alone convicted. Just extraordinary. So two questions. What does this mean for President Trump? And number two, what are we going to do about these two standards of justice? Well, Maria, I, I, ironically, if Donald Trump had to choose uh, which of these cases would come first, this would be that case. Uh, the, this case is overtly political and f really fulfills the narrative that many have raised uh, in this campaign season. So in some ways, this is a fortunate decision for Trump. Uh, Bragg gave Donald Trump what I think is credible evidence of the politicalization of the criminal justice system. There might be a more difficult time doing that with something like Mar-a-Lago. So the question is, what happens to the case? Uh, you could not have picked a better jurisdiction uh, to prosecute Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is the worst possible jury pool for him. Uh, for some judges in New York to dismiss a case like this would border on self-immolation. Uh, so it's possible that this could go to trial, but it's going to have serious problems uh, on appeal. I think yeah. that I'm not even convinced that Bragg has not run out of time. I think there are some very significant questions whether the statute of limitations has already run on these claims. Because the statute of limitations is what, five years? Well, it's two years on the misdemeanor. What he's trying to do uh, is to fold in the federal violation to kick this up to a felony and get that five-year uh, uh, period. That right. linkage itself could be challenged. But I'm not even sure he's moving within five years. This occurred right. seven years ago. That was Jonathan Turley, who was with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News Sunday. And he, he, half, the, half the country... Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Democrats worried about an uprising, which, of course, is not happening. I wrote about that on Saturday on my uh, Speaking Out America.com articles. None of that's going to happen. It's going to bolster Trump. It's going to invigorate the Republicans. Of course, the other criticism was being lobbied against Governor DeSantis, who apparently didn't say much about it. Uh, and people were saying, come on, Ron, you got to defend this guy. And the thing is, I'm I'm upset because not more people, just in general, 
weren't aghast at the fact that the feds were doing this. This is clearly a banana republic strategy that's so blatantly obvious. You know, we'll do this again to their guy. You'll see, you know, we'll go back later and grab something that Biden did 12 years ago. You'll see, you know, this, I always say when it comes to politics, the pendulum always swings both ways. So where is Joe? It's a good question, isn't it? Because you see, to me, the bigger picture right now is Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin getting together this week in Moscow. And they're going to be talking about a whole host of things. And if you missed it on Saturday, there was also a, a report that Saudi Arabia has signed on to a $50 billion deal with communist China and the Belt and Rust or Belt and Road Initiative. So China is pledging $50 billion in loans, not that they need to loan the money to Saudi Arabia, but that's how much effort they're going to do in guaranteeing a railway system and infrastructure so that they can move energy to and fro and actually make that a crossroads. So Saudi Arabia is is basically forming a better partnership with China. And, and why are they doing it? Well, it's obvious to me the reason they're doing it is because they look at the West and they say these are weak people. They're not able to stand up to think about a schoolyard bully. Let's say you got a couple of schoolyard bullies. You got a guy named Vlad and a guy named G. And, and if you've ever been to an LA uh, city high school like me, you know that such bullies do exist. And then you got the nice guy bully. He's big, he's strong. Maybe he's the four, uh, quarterback football player that everybody loves. Maybe his name is Chewy. And all the girls adore him. And he's a big guy. Nobody picks on him. And every once in a while, he sticks up for the little guy. Well, that, that guy's gone. There is no guy. There is no Chewy on the field. It's simply Xi and Putin, number two and number three superpower men. And they're getting together, and Joe Biden is not there. Anthony Blinken is not there. They're talking about, well, maybe what? What are they talking about? How to get, how to get Ukraine to negotiate with Russia in this stupid war? Or are they maybe planning on letting it go longer and using it? to drain the resources of the United States and Europe, who will continue to pump in money, They'll continue to pump in resources. Eventually, it's going to get to soldiers, I predict. Poland, I think, is, is, is now uh, giving Ukraine uh, pilots and uh, planes, and uh, more tanks are coming. And then there's Bakhmut, which we haven't heard about in about a week. And that was the strategic stronghold. And the last report I heard come across the wire on Sunday was that Putin has taken his time. And uh, that that area has been all but obliterated of Ukrainian soldiers. Uh, and that's going to continue to drain the resources. And Joe's not there because Joe doesn't want to talk peace. He's in too deep. The Ukrainian war is Joe's war. And how the uh, and I wrote in my article today, which I think is a, a point that not too many other people have made, which is this, however this war ends will be Joe Biden's legacy. No no question about that. How this floor, how this war ends in Ukraine, it will be Joe Biden's legacy. What do you think the odds are that that's going to be a good one? All right, we're going to take a quick break. Speaking out America, Monday edition. Glad to have you on board.
This is a band uh, I love from the 80s, The Cure. I don't know if you remember them. Kind of a new wave-ish band. But anyway, they started their tour, I think it was Los Angeles, maybe over the weekend. Or maybe they haven't yet, but they're about to. Anyway, apparently the lead singer got upset because he found out that people were scalping and he wanted the, he didn't want a Taylor Swift repeat, you know, where he had a bunch of people, uh, you know, driving $500, $600 tickets, $1,000 tickets, uh, or like Bruce Springsteen. Remember Bruce? Of course, he didn't care. Mr. Working Man. Mr. Working Man. Anyway, uh, so this uh, the band is, is launched out, and that's a good band. I still hear them. I went to a, a fish festival a couple weeks ago. Uh, here in South Florida, and the band, uh, the, the, whoever the cover band was playing, some really nice music, and he included in their, in their, uh, their selection music from The Cure. Pretty cool, huh? Anyway, so uh, a couple things. One is I want to just reach out to the CRN uh, talk audience, CRN talk. I want to say thank you, also to the people behind the scenes at uh, crntalk.com where they carry this show Monday through Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific, which means that we are being heard throughout all of America, throughout the cable systems, Charter and Cox, Comcast, and we're piped into the homes of people on TV. It's kind of cool. Plus, of course, their high-definition digital platform, which is crntalk.com. And they've got great people here, Bob Conrad, uh, Fred Dreyer, uh, Ron Say, my goodness, one of my favorite Baseball players from the Dodgers, uh, just good people. Mike Horn, uh, just good people. And and they have opened the door and they've allowed me to come into your living room, your home, your uh, smartphone. And it's an honor for me to do that. Uh, my email address, I encourage you to email questions. If you've got any comments or questions about the program or about me, the email address is speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. The name is JR, Speaking Out America at gmail.com. One more time, speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. We also have the podcast, which is on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, TuneIn, I believe iHeart, Odyssey. All of the major podcast platforms carry this program. There is an archive of a few dozen great programs from the past, and we're always talking about the current events that matter the most to you. What what are the things that are happening in the news that have the most impact on you as a human being? Because I'm in this race with you. I have a dog in this race. It's called my life, and it's your life. So naturally, because I see so much that isn't reported, that should be reported, instead focusing on stupid stories instead of the ones that really matter, i.e. the Biden crime family versus Trump maybe getting arrested uh, or indicted, you know the old saying, you can indict a bread box. You know, somebody pointed out that all weekend all the talking heads have been talking about is the Trump indictment. But they're not talking about the charge or whether the charge will stick. And my goodness, is this not the third or fourth time that we thought, oh yeah, okay, they're going to get him. And then they don't get him. There's no there there. It's a nothing burger. And meanwhile, the more important story the one that reporters should be asking about because they they should because it matters more is just how much is Biden involved with China? 
How much is the president involved with China? Somebody needs to ask him that question directly. Mr. President, have you ever received money from Chinese businesses that have ties to the CCP? How hard of a question is that? Why, why isn't that question allowed to be asked? Mr. President, your son Hunter uh, frequents China and has partners in a Chinese holding company. How much money has your son made, and did you make any profit over that relationship? Simple question. If he says, I, I speak to my attorney, then go speak to his attorney. But let's not pretend that this isn't happening. Let's not pretend over there at MSNBC, Don Lemon and uh, Camarota and uh, Anderson Cooper. and You guys are, are really dropping the ball on this. I'm, you know, history's going to laugh at your ass. Do we laugh at Peter Jennings or Ted Koppel? But Oh, but we laugh at Dan Rather, don't we? No credibility there. And I liked Dan growing up. I thought he was a pretty good guy until he started making up, you know, stories. So these guys are dropping the ball, and I just keep telling them, man, you know, you're going to get it. David Muir? David actually has upped, uh, upped his game recently. A little bit. I, I still see Lindsay and... Will, they're still playing the corporate line. They did it yesterday. And I love it when they throw on uh, Jonathan, what's his name, the lead correspondent for all things Trump. He's got the Sunday show now. Because that guy is about as biased as anybody. He's, he's he, he makes me sick. And I don't often say that about people, but his lack of journal journalistic integrity is, is enough to make me vomit. In fact, I might go do that now and... Uh, because it's not ever based. It, it's so biased. He hates Trump, and it's obvious. He doesn't even try to hide it. He had Mike Pence up there, and Mike, to his credit, tried to dodge a few ones, but he, he didn't get out there unscathed. I read that Mike Pence's appearance with Jonathan Carl on Sunday pretty much ended any chance that Mike Pence would have at being president or getting elected president. You know, over the weekend, also, they had the South Carolina Conservative Conference. You know who looked good? Tim Scott. He looked good. I think Tim's got a future. J.D. Vance has a future. J.D., you know, let's look ahead. Let's look beyond Trump. Let's look beyond DeSantis. Let's look at the bench. Tim Scott, great, great conservative. J.D. Vance is an up-and-comer. Uh, what he did for East Palestine opened a lot of people's eyes to the kind of leadership that we are looking for in the Republican Party. And, oh, by the way, I, I do believe that the Republican Party will save this country or they will lose it. It will not be the Democratic Party. They have sold their souls to Satan. And, I, and, and many of them unwittingly so. They think they're fighting for liberty and all these just social justice causes. What they're really fighting for is the disintegration of the very fabric of the United States by being a global citizen with all these utopian ideas of how life should be. Uh, it's more Brave New World than it is 1984. And they want to fundamentally transform the world so that we all work for God knows who, Klaus Schwab, the World Health Organization, who knows. But it'll be the Republicans that actually save things. It'll be the Republicans... Because, see, without the the fundamental idea of personal freedom and liberty and freedom of speech and no censorship, 
uh, and eliminating all these isms, you know, classism, transgenderism. You know, the Republicans are not about forming groups and dividing them. That's what the Democrats are about. And that's what they're doing. They're dividing Americans. You know, there's a story over in England, and we'll get to it, about transgender now has frightened people, teachers. The, the, the teachers are so frightened in England for not using the correct uh, pronoun because they could get thrown in jail. Get thrown in jail, people. And that could happen here, too. And they want it to happen here. They want people to be silenced under the guise of freedom. We'll be back. Well, one big bit of good news. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. JR here. One bit of good news is that Tom Brady and Giselle uh, may be getting back together. I read that little blurb somewhere. And now that football is out of the way, uh, and I'm happy for that. You know, no one wants to see a husband and a wife split up. You know, and I like Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady. He was, you know, I mean, he, to me, exemplified what the sport of football is all about, being the best that you can be. And fighting the odds and making history every time. You know, what did um, what's Jim Rome always say? Have it taken, don't suck. You know, and Tom Brady exemplified that. I know people don't like Tom Brady. You know, it's, oh, God, I'm so sick of Tom. Eh, you know, I like him. I, he, I, you know, what can you say? I don't know anything about him, but I like him. I think he's a good guy. Uh, I, I wonder what he'll, I don't think he has, it's, it's funny, I'll say this. I like him. But I don't know what his personality is because I've never heard him say more than, you know, two sentences. So he'll be doing play-by-play for Fox, and that'll be interesting to watch. And if he's good, he'll last. If he isn't good, he won't last. I hear Troy, Troy Aiken's having some struggles. Anyway, uh, so there's a poll out, and uh, this kind of goes back to what we're talking about, China. 60% of Americans say China a bigger threat than Russia. March 17th, so this came out Friday, about 60% of Americans surveyed in a new Quinnipiac University poll have listed China as a bigger threat to the United States over Russia. The poll, which was conducted between March 9th and 13th, asked 1,795 Americans, adults, about their views on a range of political topics. One question asked response, respondents to identify who they consider the greatest threat to the United States among the countries of China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, Venezuela, and Cuba. A majority of 61% viewed China as the biggest threat to the United States, while 22% said Russia. 8% of the respondents said North Korea poses the biggest threat, and 2% said Iran. Less than a percent of respondents thought that Venezuela or Cuba as a top threat. And while 3% of the respondents volunteered an unlisted option and 4% said they did not know. China was the top concern for respondents across party lines. 79% of Republicans, 64% of independents, and only 47% of Democrats selected China as a leading threat to the United States. And that's because... Most Democrats think that everybody is basically good. 
even people who lock people up and sell their organs. It's true. I'm not lying. Uh, by contrast, 38% of Democrats, 18% of independents, and 10% of Republicans saw Russia as the leading threat. What I find interesting to that, and I'll break it down a little bit, is that for all of my life, if you go back and you look at all the, uh, think of Bruce Willis and all of the, think of the Bourne supremacy, think of all those spy movies, uh, James Bond, just pick your, pick your movie. What you find in those movies is that Russia always tends to be the enemy. Even in Rocky IV, you know, Russia was the enemy right before the Soviet Union. It's kind of funny to watch that because it, that movie came out just before the wall fell, I, I believe. Yeah, because that was 89. Anyway, but all of my life growing up, we were always taught to, you know, be afraid of the Ruskies, the Ruskies, you know. And what this poll shows is that all of that brainwashing didn't take. You know, uh, the Beatles were singing about back in the USSR. I remember as a young man when Playboy would have their Playmates of Russia, which was, wow. You know, and of course the, the joke, the punchline about, you know, Russian women coming over and seeking American men. And I've, and I've thought a lot about, it. you know. Think back to Russia, you know, through no fault of their own, the people of Russia have suffered greatly under Lenin, Stalin. I mean, it wasn't until Mikhail Gorbachev came that there was some, you know, some semblance of a country that could be. But by then, think of the 20 or 30 million men that they lost in World War II. What was their gene pool like? Right. Who was left? Who were left after? After World War II, from the men's perspective in Russia, they were decimated. And the ones that were left were kind of like the Vietnam veterans. You know, they just became alcoholics and drug addicts, wards of the state. Right. And then you had, of course, the famines and, and, uh, and Stalin and what he did after World War II. And then uh, later, it, it just, you know, talk about a country that has just had really, really bad luck. Uh, and I can't really make a judgment on their corruption because I look at my own country and I think about what we've been doing and some of the things that we've been involved with for years that are only now coming to light. There's a great article. Is it in Breitbart, Pinkerton? If you get a chance to read it, read about the Iraq War. It's the 20th anniversary of the Iraq War. And about the only good that came out of it was that it destroyed the 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 Bush dynasty, the political dynasty. This is John Pinkerton writing. It's a great article. It's a little long in the tooth, but it kind of goes over. And it was actually the Iraq war that, believe it or not, led eventually to the Trump victory in 2016. And the way that Pinkerton draws and connects the dots is very interesting. And, and it may very well be reflective of what's going to happen after this war with Ukraine. And the effect it has on people in this country are just, you know, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. Pouring all this money, these billions of dollars. And look, I'm all about the integrity of Ukraine, just as I'm all about the integrity of the United States border. I can see how important it is for those people to have integrity. What I don't know about, because I can't trust my own media, is what we're told or not being told about the Azov Battalion 
or the Wagner Group or all these these armies that somehow exist in East Ukraine. And there's talk of corruption. And I also find it interesting that Zelensky, the very guy that Trump questioned about corruption, is now the guy that's, he's got like an ATM machine in his office, courtesy of the United States government. And there is no limit on how much he can withdraw, it, it appears. So there's an interesting tie there that maybe we haven't been exposed to. But along the way, we have to remember that the chief threat to us in, in by sheer numbers has to be China because they are asserting their hegemony. Absolutely. The Belt and Road Initiative they have going around the world, their investments in Africa, invest, we're not that vested in, in any other country other than a few, but it's usually for military strategic reasons. And now in the 80s and 70s, we, we did go out and and do the same thing that China is now doing, going in and investing large sums of money, places like Ecuador to build aqueducts and uh, hydrocarbon uh, plants. But they ended up becoming so expensive, cost overruns, budget overruns, that these countries ended up getting extorted by the United States because they couldn't pay the money back. And we just said, oh, we'll owe it. We'll, we'll own it until you can pay us back. And that's exactly what China is doing now around the world. And uh, they continue to assert their hegemony. So they are a competitor, economic competitor. But what we're seeing now is getting close to seeing the dollar just go away. The, the yen could upset the dollar. That's what they're worried about. If that happens and the U.S. currency is no longer the fiat currency, then the United States will lose its hegemony in the world. And that's what the experts are telling us over at Wall Street. And where is Joe Biden? That's what the article asked today. We know who the enemy is. It's China. But what are we doing with China? And that's why it's important to know whether or not our president is compromised. That was the big story on Friday. And nobody talked about it all week except for Maria Bartiromo. And she got chastised for it. So we have to have our priorities about who the enemy is. And after 50 years of being told Russia is the enemy, it's not sticking. Americans realize who the enemy is. We'll be right back. Hey, don't forget you can join me here on CRN Talk Monday through Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here. That specific time. And elsewhere, you can join me on my uh, website, which is speakingoutamerica.com. We have a Listen Live link. And we do a lot of streaming of all kinds of things on the weekend and late at night. You can tune in and you never know what you're going to be hearing on the live stream channel. But we also have the podcast, which is always there for you. So once again... Speaking Out America, you can find it on most podcast platforms or at speakingoutamerica.com. So I want to give you an update uh, on the adverse effects. There's been a lot more um, kind of interesting. I was doing some reading over the weekend, and two things that popped out is that Epoch Times has a great article today about the proof. This is the proof 
that they have that the Western Journalism, the Lancet Magazine, America's top health professionals try to dissuade people intentionally from believing that the coronavirus came from a Wuhan lab, that there was a concerted effort to diminish, marginalize, ostracize anyone who suggested the lab leak theory. And this went on for three years. And I'm talking about Fauci, Peter Dasik from Eco Alliance, Francis Collins, former head of the NIH, uh, various newspapers, the Washington Times, perhaps even the biggest culprit is Facebook. And it's why that unfortunately I'm not on Facebook, but maybe I, I should be happy about that. But they were the first to squash anybody who talked about a lab theory. The big theory was the wet market. Well, we now know that's not possible. There's too much evidence now that's out there. It's still trying to be suppressed, mind you. All those people that we talked about, Zuckerberg, Facebook, all those, Twitter, Jack Dorsey, all those people, they'll never admit that they quashed the lab leak theory, but they did. And we have the records to show it. And again, you know, the, the, the great thing about the truth, and I believe this with all my heart, is that the truth does win. See, truth is not on a timeline. Eventually, the truth gets out. Just like, you know, there are a lot of things about our American past that we don't like, but they eventually get out. They have to get flushed out. Uh, and so in this particular case, we now know who not to trust. Is it any simpler than that? We know not, not to trust these people anymore. To take what they say with a grain of salt. Don't take it uh, verbatim that what they're saying is true. You know, just last night I just happened to notice that 90% of all the commercials on ABC World News Tonight were pharmaceutical commercials. They had one meal commercial traveling. I think it was Norwegian Cruise Lines or something. Every one of the 13 ads that played between 6 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Sunday night on ABC was paid for by a pharmaceutical company. So don't expect them to tell you the truth about anything to do with medicine, ever. It just, you're a fool if you do it because you know that they have been bought and sold by the pharmaceutical companies. They're going to tell you what they want you to hear. It's misinformation of the worst kind. You know, frankly, I hope that lightning strikes their satellite, you know, takes them off the air. They're just, they're a disgrace to American media. They're a disgrace to the American people. They're a disgrace to journalism as a profession. I mean, it's the only profession that's included in our Constitution, and they crap all over it every single night. And they pull out all the tricks and the clickbait and they obfuscate and John Carl and with that little wince in his eye. You know, he, to me, he is the symbol of what's wrong with our biased and compromised news media. Our legacy media has been com compromised. It is Pravda. And the pendulum always swings. So bear that in mind. Ye who have an ear, let him hear, right? All right, so there was another story that I wanted to get to here. This is a big story. It's big because this tells us, you know, the canary in the coal mine of what to expect here in the United States. Headline reads from Breitbart, and this is from today, uh, written by Peter Cattle. 
Uh, it reads, police and teachers fear losing jobs over state-backed transgenderism push. Teachers and members of the police force in Ireland are now afraid of losing their jobs amid the state's increasing support of transgenderism. Police officers and teachers in Ireland are now reportedly concerned that they may lose their jobs if they refuse to obey the tenets of transgenderism, multiple reports in the country have suggested. It comes as senior officials within the country's government begin to give militant support for the movement, which cabinet officials call for the ideology to be taught as fact within the country's school system. This is Ireland. According to a report by the Sunday Times, teachers are now afraid they may lose their teaching positions if they refuse to comply with the changing social climate, with some expressing fear of ending up like Enoch Burke, a Christian teacher who ended up in jail last year after a row about him refusing to use an allegedly transgender pupil's preferred pronouns, and it escalated. Quote, I do what I'm told, not because I believe that it is the right thing to do, but because I don't want to lose my job or end up in court like Enoch Burke, one anonymous individual who teaches language at an ostensibly Catholic school reported or reportedly told by the pu publication. The new requirements was reportedly outlined in an HR directive, Human Resources Directive, circulated within the organization titled Gender Identity in the Workplace which warned that obeying transgender ideology was now mandatory and that strict compliance was now being required by its leadership. I wonder what Bono would have to say about that. You know, Bono. Remember Bono? You know, used to be a Christian rocker. I bet you he's on the side of the trans on this one. I bet you he's on the side of LGBTQ. You know, I wrote an article way back I don't know, probably in the last year, if you go to speakingoutamerica.com, and the name of the article is something like Transgenderism Will Destroy the West. And this is how it works, and I outlined that in the article. Here's how it works. You have a situation where uh, you've got all this public support in the school system for LGBTQ, which is fine. Want to end up, we don't want to have discrimination against kids who think they're gay when they're 16. Okay, they're experimenting. They've been given the nod from the, the, the society that it's okay to come out of the closet. But then now we've got this other element of transgender children, which children now, like we saw the Minnesota governor last week say, if a five-year-old tells me that he wants to be a boy and not a girl, it's my job as a parent to listen to them. That's what the governor of Minnesota said. That's what uh, Rachel Devine said, our country's health and human services director, who says the wheels will be turning soon because we expect that Joe Biden is probably going to enact some sort of an executive order which will give protection status to anyone who wants to be or uh, affirmed transgender. Businesses will have to agree. Schools will have to agree. You will have to agree. You'll have to support, and you may even be made to wear a ribbon. Who knows? And the, it's it's not that, look, I don't want to get into an argument with you or anybody about the rights of the person to make that decision. The, the fact of the matter is, the biological fact of the matter is, if we want to talk about science, it's that there's no way on earth that a young child under the age of 16 or 18 
could possibly make a decision as, as crucial, as, as important as their sexual identity. You know, there was an interesting thing that happened over the weekend, and I believe it was in, I want to say Ohio. You know, Kirk Cameron from the TV show Growing Pains, he's a devout Christian, wears it on his sleeve, he goes about, and he's trying to do something to go against Drag Queen Library Hour, which is permeating throughout educational centers all over the country. So he's doing a wholesome Christian Bible reading or reading from good books, good American books that have been around forever, and he's been getting criticized for it. Well, this past weekend, in one particular town, there were 500 people at this library, and Kirk Cameron, they tried, some of the city uh, council members tried to get him not to come. But he has a constitutional right to do it, so they had to allow it. Well, he also brought along with him a guest who was transgender, uh, a man who transitioned to a woman and then decided years later that she had made a big mistake and that she then went back to becoming a he. And uh, to this crowd of 500 people, there were also in this crowd men who had showed up dressed in drag, maybe a half dozen or so, in protest. And the former trans then began to read from this book called The Elephant and the Bird. Have you heard about this? The Elephant and the Bird. And the basic premise of the, the book was that you can put wings on an elephant and you can give them a tail or do whatever you want, but that doesn't make them a bird. And what was really interesting is in this crowd, the person who, the trans who was reading, the former trans, asked all the, all the students, all the kids inside of the library, hey, do you think that an elephant can be a bird? And the crowd in unison yelled, no. How do you think those people in the back felt, those men in drag? Do you think they felt ashamed? Perhaps maybe they realized how stupid they looked with those stupid shorts on and that stupid wig and the stupid bra stuffed with stupid socks. Do you think that these people realized for the first time in their life just how ridiculous they looked and how idiotic it is for them to presume that they know all about biology and they can change their biology at will. They knew. See you next time on Speaking Out. Speaking Out.